I can't let diabetes get in my way. So here's what I do. I wear the Dexcom G6. It continuously sends my glucose numbers to my phone. And the arrow shows me where I'm headed and how fast. Without finger sticks or scanning, making it much easier to keep my glucose in range. The more time I spend in range, the better I feel. And the more I can cross off my list. Don't let diabetes get in your way. Check out Dexcom.com slash in range. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G6 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. You know I'm right. Episode 50 right here in the zone. Nick Durson, Joe Calabrese, and Joe, before we get into anything, I'll just say it's been a great 50 episodes so far. A little something we uh, brainchilding for, for quite some time. Came to fruition in March. Uh, you know, these put our extra time we had by not commuting and being home uh, with the pandemic into this show. And uh, we, we just want to thank all of our listeners so far who have have made this uh, a really a really fun journey. And you know, Joe, we've had some great guests on as well, and we got to thank them and looking forward to the next fifty. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, our first half of our century of shows have have all been great. Uh, I've enjoyed every single one uh, individually, a little bit different. There's definitely been a different flair and feel to each show. Uh, a lot of similar topics, obviously, uh, but for the most part, I definitely think each episode on its own uh, is is very individually entertaining. I think there's quality in each episode that we've been doing. Uh, I think you and I together have, have been a, a really terrific mix. A uh, lot of chemistry here, a lot of great guests, a uh, lot, a lot of guests uh, that we didn't think we would be able to get at first, we've been able to get uh, a lot of great connects have helped us along the way so uh, we've done a really great job uh, i want to thank obviously uh in the zone uh and we can also posthumously thank double g right you know the website it was before uh they've continued housing the podcast they've done really really good by us so thank you to them uh and let's let's hope we can continue continue this for as long as we possibly can so let's go no doubt about it and uh, right into the sports here. So the big lifestyle news topic here, which is just huge for sports overall, it's got to be Steve Cohen. He's approved to be the owner of the Mets. De Blasio approved it. The owners approved it. And the deal should be closing either at the end of this week or very early next week. And, of course, we know Steve, Steve Cohen's going to have a huge impact on the field. But he's also having a tremendously huge impact along with his wife, Alex Cohen, off the field, Joe. Yeah. Uh, so again, you know, how many times am I going to say this? I've probably said this the past five to 10 shows. Uh, congratulations on Steve Cohen, uh, officially becoming the owner of the Mets. Uh, Christmas came very, very early for you and, and Mets fans everywhere. Uh, immediately right off the bat, uh, a lot of people didn't think it was going to get off the ground as smoothly, uh, because of our terrific mayor, Bill de Blasio. Uh, <laughs> But that kind of rectified itself real quick, and uh, we're going to go into the details of, of what we can expect uh, Steve Cohen will do as owner of the Mets. Uh, obviously, he's already done many terrific things in a very, very short period of time, uh, and this will obviously stem from the fact that he's now by far uh, the richest owner in baseball, and he's the current richest owner in sports, I believe, correct? I think he has more money than Balmer and, and everything. So, yep. uh, yeah, so 
This is, again, very Christmas came very, very early for you guys, two months early. Uh, you guys hit the jackpot here. Uh, let's get let's get to it. Let's get off the ground running here. Uh, let's dive into some of the stuff that Cohen uh, has already done in his short period of time, which is a bunch, uh, and the things that we can expect to come from him uh, probably in the immediate future, you'd say in the next couple of weeks. No doubt about it. Uh, I mean, the guy, they have the, the Cohen Foundation, which is set up by by him and his wife, Alex, and uh, just tremendous. Uh, you know, we, we already saw, Joe, that Steve Cohen, weeks ago, months ago, made a pledge that they he was going to pay all seasonal workers this offseason because they missed the whole season. Uh, you know, we, I did an article for that in the zone. Alex Cohen was nice enough to actually retweet that. So we appreciate her support, uh, for in the zone. Uh, and that's just not something you would see anywhere else uh, across, across the, uh, the sports landscape, or at least, you know, as far as baseball goes, I think, uh, Mark Cuban with the Mavs, he paid his seasonal employees for the rest of the season. I don't know about the off season. Um, which is that was that's incredible too. But uh, you know these these play these workers who are really the heart and soul of the game day operations with food and beverage uh, and whatnot. They uh, they missed out on you know a full season of pay, and at least they're going to be getting paid something here in the off season where they typically wouldn't get any any payment at all. And it's kind of coinciding pretty well with I guess what would be the end of the unemployment benefits as well. Yeah, so the pandemic obviously hit workers very, very hard. Uh, and for most people who work in sports, which in, basically includes us, the both of us, uh, uh, we've we've been working in sports, definitely hit harder. Obviously, no sports, no live events. Uh, that means no sports and no live events, obviously. Uh, nothing was materializing, uh, especially for me, for the past couple of months. So when you look at what goes into making those game day experiences matter uh, and, and special each individual day. Uh, the backbone, obviously, are the stadium workers who run security, obviously the ones who are the vendors and the ones who, who are serving, uh, obviously food and beverages, like you said. Uh, game day crew obviously includes uh, uh, people who are going out in the field and doing all the game day events and all the contests and stuff. And so it's... Really, sports has become a, an individual, all-encompassing experience every time you go out there. And obviously, those workers were hit really, really, really hard. So what does Steve Cohen come and do immediately? Immediately restores their salaries. Now, uh, to be honest, he didn't really have to do that immediately, but that was basically one of his first orders of action. And and it's like I said on a previous podcast, and obviously, you know, I don't want to keep hitting you over the head with the same sentiments and, and, and obviously statements that I, I have been, but this to me right off the bat shows how much he truly cares about the Mets. He's a Met fan uh, in his core through and through. He cares deeply, deeply about this franchise and he wouldn't have made as strong of a push as he did if he didn't want to own the franchise. Right? So the, obviously the very first thing he comes in does is saying, I'm going to come in, I'm going to take care of all my workers. All my workers matter. Uh, it is absolutely getting off on the right foot and it's something that you don't really see too many owners do immediately following uh them taking over a team i believe what he, he has like about 90 percent ownership stake or 95 i believe 95 so with he, the wall ponds remain five percent owners right but obviously 95 percent means 
you're you own mostly the whole enchilada, right? It's it's the Steve Cohen show no, he's now. Not answering to anybody. He's not right. He's the big guy who's making all the big decisions. So uh, this was a tremendous decision right off the bat, and it's a very uh, goodwill type move. Uh, basically, he's building up good faith not only with his employees uh, but with Mets fans in general. Uh, so that again, right coming right in doing this, getting off right on the a good right the right foot. He's been electric so far. Uh, took to Twitter, right? So he tweeted out, you know, what suggestions Mets fans have for him uh, in the immediate future. So, so he's I reaching mean, out to employees, reaching out to fans. Yeah, I think it's uh, he's it's great how he's interactive. I mean, uh, one of the Mets beat reporters, uh, Disha Thozar, tweeted out. Cohen Dale are looking to uh, you know get it finalized very quickly. Some guy replies to her, "Thanks for the update. Uh, you need to get Cohen a verified checkmark." He he writes, he replies back, "Working on it." So this is like a, this could be good or bad. I mean, uh, I'm hoping it's going to be good because the Mets are going to be good. <laughs> so he's could be he could be very active on Twitter, but you know all it's going to take is one. Uh, Edwin Diaz blown save before people are tweeting him. Get this guy out of here. Uh, and now, you know, you know, there's a bunch of suggestions here. Um, people are tweeting him. Uh, a lot of them have to do about like, hey, you got to make things more family friendly. Got to get like, family packages in here because it's it's too much. Uh, and he writes, he's saying kids are our future. Fans it should be the focus because he's even realizing that it's uh, it's not really family friendly to go to a baseball game if you're a family of four but you're spending 300 400 for the game joe i mean i think uh with the parking and the tolls and, and the food it's crazy uh my favorite thing is somebody tweeted him hey steve it's my birthday today what did you get me he goes nothing like and that's just like awesome um and then the the other thing you know a lot of people were saying oh you know i just want to see the team be competitive always over 500 and Steve Cohen was basically like, we need, we can't have that losing mindset. We need to be better than that. So, uh, you know, I think, I think that's great. Uh, and also, um, the other things he said, which is going to happen is someone said, uh, cause basically the Mets, but city field, they don't really honor their heritage. Uh, it's been a little better in the last few years, but you know, nothing was really Metsy there. And he's like, I agree. We got out of the Mets old timers day, no brainer. So Mets old timers, yeah, day would be pretty cool. I think there's there's going to be a philosophical shift in the way the Mets treat their history now that, unfortunately, Tom Seaver has left us. I think that was basically the momentous turning point. I think they're going to start to incorporate their history more into the, what they do. I think they're going to start doing that, uh, especially during live games. And it's a great thing you brought up the live games because, obviously, uh, being a Yankees fan, uh, and, uh, well, I mean, this, this, this applies to both of us. It's like when you're going to a game, uh, for us, you got to drive or take the train well over an hour to get to either place. Uh, City Field sometimes is it's a little more friendly. That could be an hour. Uh, but obviously, the point I'm making is that for us, speaking where we are, we have to travel in. Uh, you got to travel in. That costs gas, right? Uh, money for tickets, money for food, beverages, the whole nine yards, right? Money for parking, uh, wherever you park, unless you're taking the, like, the train like I do. Like I take the four train into Yankee Stadium. So these experiences... Uh, 100% right. Uh, they've become a little less family-friendly over the years. It's become much easier to just kind of crowd around the television and, and watch a game with your family, more so at night. Uh, you see a lot of people lately 
leaning into more of less of I want to watch the game from home and kind of just be able to relax in my own house kind of thing. Obviously, getting up and and finding the energy to go to a game, especially uh, if you're working a nine to five or something and you're you're looking to get to a game like after work or something. Uh, it, it has become increasingly harder. So uh, I think I think be... I think you and I need to get out to a Mets game if there's any games. Uh, we yeah. really we really need to go to a Subway Series game and we need to like take videos and stuff. That's I what think really uh, maybe if yeah, if, if the year. Coens are listening, you know, if, if you want us to do a remote show beforehand from City Field, no problem. But we'll, we'll do it. Uh, but yeah, Steve Cohen is just really like a man of the people here. Uh, you know, he, I love his interaction. Somebody tweeted him. You got to put a retractable roof on City Field. He wrote, "You win for the most expensive idea." That's uh, I think I think that could be in the realm of possibility for Steve Cohen, but uh, you know I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and someone said, you, "Did you ever imagine you would get so many responses? You have nearly seven thousand general managers because that's how many responses I got." He got and Steve wrote, "Most knowledgeable fans around." So. He's given credit to the Mets fans, and I think it's great. You know why? Because he is a Mets fan, and it it, it definitely shows. Uh, and then there is uh, another point that someone tweeted him, which I brought up on the show a lot. Um, basically, people are saying that the Mets should spend more. People should spend their whole careers as Mets instead of being forced to go to another team and torturing us, such as Murphy, Darno, Turner, Zach Wheeler. This person was specifically talking about. Uh, Noah Syndergaard and Michael Conforto. Hey, Jen, we need to sell our home. Do you know a great agent? I do. We just sold with a local Redfin agent. It was awesome. And we paid a 1% listing fee because we bought our new home with Redfin, too. Wow, 1%. Are Redfin agents full service? Totally. Our Redfin agent did it all, and we sold for thousands more than the home next door. I'll check out Redfin today. 1% listing fee when purchasing with Redfin subject to minimums, terms, and conditions. Does not include buyer's agent commission. Learn more at Redfin.com or call 844-759-7732. I think. And Stephen Cohen says you always treat the pl- the talent well. So we're going to transition into you know what what's going to happen on the field here. But one more note here to tie a bone off the field, Joe. Uh, Steve Cohen gets the votes. You immediately tweet me that as his first act as Mets owner, Steve Cohen said in a statement that he plans to donate seventeen and a half million to New York City small businesses and dramatically increase the giving of the Mets Foundation in the coming years. He's also reinstituting all pre-demic salaries for Mets workers, as you pointed out. But to me, I never even heard of the Mets Foundation. So this is obviously a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. So obviously we brought up the Blasio at the top of the show and everybody knows how everybody feels about him. Total clown. Right. And that goes for everybody. Literally everybody. Uh, But uh, I believe that this donation and the 17 half million dollars that are going that's going into the foundation uh, and going into the pockets of small businesses that are hurting probably in and around that area uh, and maybe some other areas around the city. Uh, I have to believe that that's what de Blasio was really holding Cohen up about. I think he wanted some kind of uh, good faith effort. And and for that, you know, I, I commend him. That was definitely one of the right things to do. And that's pretty generous. You know, $17.5 million is a very, very generous donation. A lot of businesses out there. Uh, not only just here where we are in Staten Island, but obviously throughout the city in Brooklyn and Queens and Manhattan and the Bronx. Uh, a lot of businesses are hurting. So uh, that money will go into infusing those businesses with some capital that they desperately need. Uh, I think it was a tremendous move. And it, it, yeah, like I said, it goes to show that Cohen, uh, not only is he coming in caring about just 
the the Mets organization based on his fandom and, and just his passion, but he's also doing uh, the right doing right by New York City almost instantaneously. Uh, it's very endearing. Uh, I think a lot of people are unanimously on board with this decision. Not only just Mets fans, but a lot of people, a lot of Yankee fans, a lot of Giants fans, obviously big Giant City Jets fans. You know, uh, you could loop every other every other sports fan into that. But uh, a lot of fans are genuinely interested in what Cohen's going to do next, uh, where this this is going. Uh, uh, but again, like I said, he's just very in general, very endearing endeared him to New York City in general obviously when you when a new owner comes in and, and, and kind of takes over a team you don't really know what to expect at first uh, because it, it, situations could be so volatile obviously Knicks fans for years and years and years I mean most most people just absolutely can't stand Jim Dolan like they, they hate his guts right and and it's gotten to the point where the Dolan hate uh, it's just it's it's it's, ve- it's a very toxic thing surrounding the Knicks organization. It's very hard to root for the Knicks, as opposed to Cohen, who comes in with all of his money and does stuff to make you really like him right from the get go. So I think uh, the seventeen and a half million dollars, tremendous donation, taking care of your workers immediately, uh, especially during the pandemic. You know, you always, people obviously with the election and stuff and and everything going on in the world. Obviously, we're not really 100% focused on what COVID is doing like we were six months ago or even you know three or four months ago, uh, but there's still a pandemic going on. And for the fact that he was able to come in, get this all done as quickly as he did, and not only is he taking care of his workers, he's taking care of other people around the city, like that's something that's absolutely very applause worthy. You know, you know, kudos right. to him. Done awesome. Interested job so to hear far. what he has to say. Uh, he's planning to have a, a uh, introductory press conference on Tuesday, assuming the deal is closed before then. Uh, and, you know, how long is it going to be before you get Knicks and, uh, and Jets fans asking Cohen to buy their teams? Because, uh, <laughs> right. you know, it, it, if the Mets are successful, it's, it's going to be good for the city. Uh, but, Joe, this November, what is more likely to happen? Uh, which is going to be a higher total number? Mets free agency signings or Jets and Giants win total? It's close. That is close. So I think the Mets will at least make a play for, I would say, two or three guys. I don't know if they're going to be – like, I don't know if they're going to eventually sign those guys, but they're definitely going to be in on the the, the, the biggest guys available on the market. Uh, the Jets may not win a game, right? And <laughs> same old song and dance with the Giants, right? Good defensive play in the game the whole way through. Daniel Jones, not – stepping up to the plate. Uh, but if you had to ask me right now, I'll take the Mets. Because okay. I think the Giants will win at least one game next month. I don't think the Gi- the Jets are going to win a game this season. So so Mets probably uh, two, two free agent signings. But right. it's tough because no, in November, you really don't really see too many free agent signing. Uh, but again, this is a different type of year. And it's looking like now that their top target is going to be George Springer, who uh, I think is an incredible talent. Uh, I think he'd be an awesome fit here. He is from Connecticut. Don't know if he grew up a Mets or Yankee fan. Um, and now it's kind of looking like Real Muto doesn't want to play in New York. I, don't know, I guess, you know, he doesn't want the extra money or, or he doesn't want to win. So uh, fine with that. And Bauer, uh, it seems like the Mets will be in on, but... Um, 
Well, he he rejected the qualifying offer, so he's going to become a free agent. So right, so it'll it'll depend on what Strowman's deal is. I expect Strowman to reject the qualifying offer, but I don't think he's going to get eighteen million dollars anywhere else for next season. Uh, Yeah, I think I I don't I don't think playing this season helped his his stock. I think I think with Strowman, you might see a situation where he might take a one year prove it deal. Uh, yeah, but maybe. it's gonna be le- it'll be less than the qualifying offer. I, oh, of course, I, so. it'll be like one year, maybe like fourteen million, fifteen million. I just get the sense he doesn't want to be a Met, right? So that's interesting there. So uh, you know, but the Mets, you know, maybe they go ahead and sign Charlie Morton. Uh, I think that would be a quality signing. There are some other pitchers available, like John Lester, but they do need to get a pitcher. Um, the Angels really need a pitcher, though, so I think they could really get in a bidding war with the Mets over over Troy Bauer because they lost out on Garrett Cole. Uh, but you know, those are the three big free agents along, along with DJ LeMahieu. Uh, where do you think the Mets should focus their their attention uh, in the next week or two? Well, I think the Yankees are going to pay DJ LeMahieu whatever he wants. Now that he finished in the top three in the MVP voting, which I believe was a huge shock. Yeah, the guy did. The guy didn't even play forty-five games. So how is he? Yeah, but I think I think it's it's one of those things where it's kind of like a lifetime achievement thing. I think Lemayhew has been so good and so outstanding for a really long time and kind of underappreciated. He's really the oil that makes the the Yankees engine work. You know, he's he's the one who everything kind of runs through. And even though one to nine they were productive this season, the shortened season, like like the Mets hitters were. I think Luke Voigt was more important to the 60 games this year. But it's like I said, I think LeMahieu overall is probably the most valuable piece in that lineup just because of what he could do at the top of the order. So I understand why a lot of voters were, were willing to at least get him high on the ballot this year and fin- make him finish in the top three. So uh, so back to back to the, 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 the Mets. Uh, I, I think LeMahieu is off the table. Uh, I think the Mets are basically going to explore every single option available to them. Uh, whether that includes Trevor Bauer, whether that includes George Springer, uh, JT Real Muto, I think all three. I don't believe all three will be Mets. At least believe, one. At least one is a Met. At least one will be a Met, and I believe the Mets are going to be in on all three of those guys. And if we're talking most likely to become a Met, hmm, I have to think about this. Uh, I think the Mets. Sh- do everything in their power to get Trevor Bauer. Okay. Will Trevor Bauer sign in Queens? I don't know. But if he, if uh, among those three guys, he's the, the guy that I'm gonna would I would go pedal to the metal for. Uh, I think the guy most likely to sign with the Mets would be Real Muto if they gave him the money. But we went through this on a previous podcast. He's not gonna get 200 million. Likely he's gonna probably get up between 100 and 150 million. I could see Mets like need a catcher though. They did money. get rid. They were to get. They did get rid of Wilson Ramos. So. But maybe they probably maybe they get Mike Zanino or James McCann on the the cheaper end of things potentially, right? And their top uh, prospect Alvarez is a catcher, so he's probably right. two years off though. Right, he's two. He's definitely two years away, I would say. Uh, but yeah, so I think the most likely guy would be Real Muto on the surface if they're not entirely sure. Uh, and then you have to see with uh, with uh, Springer Dinger because. Seems like he likes it in Houston, and it seems like all those core guys with the Astros just kind of really enjoy being there together with each other. So, right, but it, it, it's again, be very, I mean, very hard to pry one of those guys away. So, 
Uh, it comes down to money, though, because, I mean, Springer might be looking and saying, okay, sure, the Astros, maybe they max it out and they sign me, but that means that Correa, he's probably gone next year or, you know, something like that. So tough for the Astros to keep that core together uh, for much longer. Uh, But again, uh, Springer is from this area that might play into things, and on the MVP, I don't know how Luke Voigt wasn't nominated as a finalist, but I guess uh, Jose Abreu is going to win most likely. But I thought Luke Voigt should have got some votes. And in the NL, I don't know why Tatis isn't a finalist. So I guess Freddie Freeman's going to win the MVP. Uh, but, you know, the Mets, they'll also probably be very active in the the trade rumors. You're already hearing Mets Mets trying to get Lindor. I don't, yep. know, what, I don't know what the Lindor price is going to be, but... It should, be, it should it should be less than what the Dodgers uh, traded for for Mookie Betts, and that was uh that wasn't even too much as is. Right. So, uh, I mean, I've seen tweets out there, right, about how Mets fans want Francisco Lindor. I think on the surface, it would take either Ahmed Rosario or Jimenez uh, and JD Davis, and likely one or maybe two other pieces. The other piece I think would be just like a really good prospect. Maybe not your top, top prospect, but like, you know, obviously a prospect who's Brett, very good. Brett being at the Brett majors, Batty, right? Maybe. Right. Uh, I think I think that value for Lindor where he is right now is fair because remember, when you acquire Lindor, you're going to have to pay him too. But, I mean, with mo- with money now, the, <laughs> it's not a problem right. anymore. You know, I, I'm envisioning. I think, that, I think on the surface, I think that's a fair offer. And I don't think a lot of other teams are going to be able to beat that offer too. I think – the 2022 Mets infield, you got Alonzo at first, McNeil right. at second, Correct. Lindor's at shortstop, and Arenado's short, right. playing third base. Well, how are you going to get Arenado? It means you're going to have two separate trades. <laughs> two separate trades, but I'm pretty sure Arenado's got an opt-out after this season. Oh, that's right. Well, I mean, if he exercises it. I don't know if he's going to want to do it, though, because— Risky. It's risky because then, you know, how many teams are going to be able to pay him what he so wants that, I mean, if he does me, opt out? I'd rather trade for Arenado in this offseason because you know Lindor is a free agent, right? Right. Um, Arenado, of course, is going to be gold glove defender. And he's got so much money there that maybe that you could say you could convince the Rockies to take back Cano's contract in order to, to, to get to take Arenado's off their hands. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's there's definitely a match there, too. Uh, as 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 we get you know deeper and deeper into Cano's contract, I mean he's still got a bunch of years left, but he doesn't have that many years left. Uh, right. So would would the Rockies trade seven or eight years of like two hundred fifty million dollars for three or four years of Cano at hundred million? Right, and then obviously you're gonna have to sweeten the pot, which includes you gotta get prospects. You gotta get. Some. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in that scenario, I think Jimenez would probably go because I think Jimenez would be more appealing to them than Rosario. Uh, and again, obviously, the secondary pieces that we talked about for Lindor would probably be on the table for uh, Arenado too. Uh, but yeah, it, it seems to me uh, today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Don't mind me, just sneaking out to go to Kohl's. The home deals right now, they're too good to pass up. Like up to 40% off cuddle that's bedding 
up to 50% off the cutest fall decor, and up to 25% off Ninja Kitchen appliances. How can I resist? You can even get 15% off or 15, 20, or 30% off with a Kohl's card. So, yeah, I'm going all in for fall, and I can't even wait. Select styles. Offers end October 17th. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. As if one of them, uh, and I mean, we can include Chris Bryant in this too, because the Mets have obviously been in on Chris Bryant before. next year as well. He's a free agent next year as well. So you can trade for Arenado now, or you can kind of see how that situation materializes in Chicago. Uh, I do think that Brian will eventually stay in Chicago. I think they're going to take care of those guys who won them the World Series. Uh, they're going to try to keep those guys together for as long as possible. I don't think they're – I think Brian has kind of been disappointing a little bit over the past few years in comparison to when he first entered the league. But I still think he's very, very good, and I think he's going to be worthy so- of paying. So we'll, we'll see how the that Mets, plays out. But. I think you know, the Mets, they're going to have, I think they're going to be in, they're going to be in heavy on the secondary market for starting pitching because if they're not getting Bauer, they're starting to get two or three guys. Uh, Syndergaard's probably out till June. You don't know what they're right. doing with Lugo. Strowman's likely gone. They, Porcello's gone. I don't know if they're going to have Locker back. So it's really just DeGrom and you don't know if they're going to exercise the option on Mats. So they got to get some pitchers there. In the bullpen, I think they need to go get Liam Hendricks from the A's and Brad Hand. If they sign those two guys, that bullpen is good to go. Familia looked good at the end. Diaz had an overall decent season. And Batantis is coming back. Of course, he opted into his money. Who knows how he's going to be. But that, that to me, would be a lockdown bullpen. Yes. Uh, I think they're going to... They're going to keep Mats, obviously, just because of the, the, the volume, right? I, mean, I think they just need innings, and hopefully he can give them those innings. He's a lefty. Right, he is a lefty, too, which, which I think which I helps. think you bring him back, you put Lugo in the rotation from the start. I think he'd Correct. do good there. Correct. And then you got, you know, Syndergaard's coming back at some point, so you still, but you still got to get two more starting pitchers in free agency or trade. Right, and I think, honestly, with, you know, with, with this free agent market here, um, uh, I think you need to, other than Bauer, you got to explore. I know the guy had a great season, um, but no DH. Um, and if you're going to sign Springer, there's really not a place for him. If you could get a top pitcher for Dom Smith, you have to, you got to take those calls. No, of course. Absolutely. I think, like I said before, one to nine, there weren't many teams better this season uh, with their bats than the Mets. And obviously some of the bats definitely have some trade value. You know, like I said, JD Davis has trade value. Dom Smith has trade value. Uh, <laughs> Jeff McNeil has trade value, but obviously he's probably untouchable as he should be. Uh, and obviously you have a, a situation with Jimenez and Rosario where you have two good players. And right. if you both, if you see them both as a shortstop, obviously you're either moving one to second or third or you're trading the other guy. So maybe the Mets could trade Dom Smith for Blake Snell. That's not a terrible start. Obviously they would, it would have to. They would probably need to to part with one of their best pitching prospects in order to do that. But I mean, as a foundation of a trade, that's not terrible. It's not terrible. It's worth Tom Smith's value. I don't know if it's going to be any higher than it is right now. So I agree with something to keep an eye on. I agree on. with that. But but now that we have the the universal DH, I think well, it's, a apparently lot there's teams. not going to be a DH though in the NL next season. It's, it's not we'll going to. It will be bargained we'll in the next CBA. We'll see. Which I'm fine with. I mean, one year, whatever. So. Um, you know, and how about, I mean, he's not going to win the song, but let's give some kudos to, uh, Jacob deGrom for being a finalist once again for the Young as well. Yeah. I think it's going to be pitcher Bauer, in baseball. Darvish, one, two, three, best pitcher in baseball. No doubt about it. Still, 
Uh, but then Bieber's going to win, of course, the Cy Young. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised Bieber wasn't nominated for the MVP. I mean, he won the Triple Crown. Uh, I think right. Crown, Kevin Cash and Don Mattingly, I think, win the Managers of the Year. You agree or disagree? Kevin Cash and who else did you say? Don Mattingly. Yes, both. Uh, potential, I'd like to see Rick Renteria win since he's been fired and replaced by Tony La Russa. <laughs> uh, Charlie Montoya, another strong candidate as well with the Blue Jays right. moving all around town. Um, Blue Jays, of course, they had to play in Buffalo. Now we're here in the Raptors. The Toronto Raptors might play at the Prudential Center this upcoming season, potentially starting as soon as December 22nd. What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, I think it's a good start date. Uh, and like everything else, they're they're trying to – it's like dominoes, right? It's like one domino falls, the rest follow. Uh, you figure the NBA starts December, like it's 22nd. Uh, the NHL will probably start January, maybe January 1st, like they're looking to. So uh, what's interesting is, again, you need somebody to – to make the move first and then to set everything else into motion. So I think that's what kind of what you're seeing here. Uh, and we don't know yet if fans are going to be allowed back into arenas again. That's obviously a huge question. Are they going to do bubbles again for all, when sports come back? Uh, definitely still a lot of questions on the table, but for now it, it seems like it seems like they're moving in the positive direction. They have some traction to get things started. Uh, much sooner than later, rather, you know, much sooner than a lot LeBron's of people. Not, LeBron's really not happy out here, Joe. He doesn't want to start time. Well, he's not. He's never freaking happy. <laughs> he was. But. He's happy that he won a championship, sure, but he's. He just seems like he's never happy. He just seems like he's always yeah. kind of complaining about something. Always kind of being outspoken about something. Just be happy. Relax. December twenty second is a really good target start date. You got to remember, a lot of these guys haven't been playing for months. Uh, yes, they they. They started the playoffs late, and we've only really ended the finals just a couple weeks ago. But I don't, I don't mind like a quicker turnaround. I think it's fine. Yeah, and in New- basketball back in New Jersey, like it belongs. Uh, and that's they, they totally ignore the fact that they ever played in New Jersey, which is interesting. Uh, all right, now the other news here, Joe, is that ESPN announces massive layoffs and job cuts as COVID nineteen impacts revenue. Uh, yes, this comes out a few days after the fact that we see that ABC, of course, with ESPN Disney, looking to make a huge bid to get Sunday Night Football in two years. So I think it's all related there. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, all of the, I did an article for In The Zone, all the media rights deals for NFL for the Sunday afternoon games, Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football expire in the next two years. Uh, and if you're smart, you want that. Sunday night game, which is actually the cheapest of the media packages, if you can believe it, despite the fact that you are getting the highest rated game each week and you get the flex. It's the best package. And it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who gets the media rights deal. Uh, and I think this is part of the reason why ESPN was trying to go so hard after Tony Romo and Al Michaels, because they figured out oh, we might get Sunday night football. But if you look at the current media rights deals, Monday night football is costing ESPN 1.9 billion a year. But that also includes the fact that they're able to constantly show NFL highlights nonstop, which the other networks are not allowed to do. The CBS package, they're paying $1.09 billion per year, which is a little more than the NFC package of Fox, which is $1.08 billion per year. Interesting there, because I think uh, the NFC package with Fox is, is better. Uh, Southern Night Football is only $960 million a year for NBC. 
And Thursday Night Football is $660 million per year for Fox. Uh, and right. I think the big, huge thing here is ABC's had enough. They want to get the Super Bowl. They want to get the Super Bowl in their rotation. Uh, and that's why they're going to go all in here. And, you know, people are home too. So this is going to maybe increase ratings for this season overall. Uh, I think the Sunday Night Football package is easily going over a billion. And uh, yeah, I, agree. I, 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 I think, agree. I think, I think, I think, ABC might get it, uh, but that would be crippling for NBC, and, and that would set off such a, you know, thing there where NBC is going to have to like go ahead and bid for uh, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon football or Monday night football uh, because NBC is built around the NFL and the Olympics. Uh, and don't forget about Amazon and Apple, who are likely to try to jump in the bidding war. Amazon's already the digital home for Thursday night football, and Apple, of course, did you is really, see, really uh... trying to push Apple Plus these days. Did you see Bezos? I think he sold $10 billion in stock. Wow. I think it was yesterday or today. I, I saw that on, on my, it came up on my Twitter timeline. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, obviously he, uh, he very occasionally makes those plays, but listen, you're a hundred percent right. Uh, what you're seeing is Amazon or Apple will make one tremendous push. Uh, and I could totally see it being for the NFL. Obviously, uh, you can kind of, uh, so on like Amazon, right, I can go on Amazon and I can, you know, go in and find access and, and try to get myself into uh, I like with the if I'm looking for an MLB game or something like there's a way for me to navigate that and to to kind of, you know, purchase that and then watch it, you know, through there. But I do think that both of those services are going to make a play uh, for live sports. And you're 100 percent right. NBC right now, they're 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 their biggest. The biggest things that they have are Sunday Night Football, the NHL, and the Premier League, right? So if you lose Sunday Night Football, that's a huge hit. That's a huge ratings monster uh, on a, on Sunday nights, which right. obviously they don't have really too much competition, you know. Uh, so, you know, if, if NBC does that, you know, you know, how do they compensate for that elsewhere? Maybe they look to the Thursday night package at some point, you know what I mean, when that comes up. You know, that's... Maybe not as adequate as a replacement, uh, but again, you know, you're right. losing. So I mean, cur- so currently, ESPN's Monday Night Football deal is undone after next season. The NBC Sunday Night Football, CBS, and Fox contracts are done after the 2023 uh, Super Bowl, so the 2022 season. Uh, right. So there's going to be a seat at the table for all these people. Everyone's going to get their NFL. It's just a matter of who's getting what game. Uh, and I think, you know, ESPN, ABC, Disney, they're going to go all in for Sunday Night Football because they want to get the Super Bowl game. Uh, so if that happens, you probably see a scenario where NBC goes really hard after the AFC package because uh, I think Fox would definitely be able to outbid them for, NB- for NFL. Uh, but CBS, I think, you know, you've seen them lose, uh, you know, bidding war before with uh you know originally when fox got into the nfl business because they they outbid cbs so you could see a scenario maybe where nbc is is, they might say that's more valuable for us as opposed to having monday night football and monday night football might end up on cbs or something like that yeah uh yeah so where cbs stands and all this is obviously interesting too because i definitely think they're gonna make obviously plays for for other things too uh, the NHL, obviously, we, 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 we've talked about this on occasion, but the NHL, 
uh, they're going to have a huge decision to make uh, in regard to how they want to split uh, everything. And obviously, we've talked about this. It makes most sense for them to, to split. You know, ESPN wants back in with them. Uh, I, I could see Fox obviously making a play for them because a lot of the teams, their local regional coverage uh, and their broadcasts are uh, Fox Sports. Uh, a lot of the Southern teams use Fox. So uh, that's entirely possible, too. So in the, le- in the next two or three years, I think you're going to really see a significant shift. I don't think everything is going to stay the same as is. I think the NHL is going to expand and go on to multiple networks. I think it's possible that you see Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football shift elsewhere. Uh, obviously, the NFL, you're going to see Amazon or uh or Apple mm-hmm. uh, make a big play for one of those. Right. And, you know, uh, and, I I think, think... and I think they're going to get something out of the deal. In three years from now, the way the way we, we have sports is going to look really, really different. And that's not even factoring stuff like YouTube TV uh, and Hulu with live sports. Like there's going to be mountain, a, a lot of variety of different ways. I think the leagues are basically going to try to split up uh, what they can as much as they possibly can to try to get infusion of money from as many different sources as they possibly can. This wouldn't surprise me here if somehow NFL carves out a December Saturday football package. So you got, cause you usually do that anyway, a few, a few weeks a year with the, uh, you know, NF, when NCAA is done, they put them so games on Saturdays. Uh, so they might even make that its own package. Cause it's currently just a- AFC, uh, and NFC with the CBS and Fox, they get their own deal. So that could be like, it's, that could get its own network and get that. And call me crazy, but I think the NFL has been liking having some of these, uh, makeup COVID Tuesday night football games. So I agree. Could there be some <laughs> Tuesday night football in the, we don't like, we don't like the COVID, but we like having the NFL on every single day. Don't we? So you're, I think you'd be looking at a scenario where if you're if you're doing a Tuesday night game, that they'd have to line up where if you're playing Tuesday, the next your next week's game is going to be the Thursday night football game because that way everybody's going to be on proper rest, um, and it, that's that's the way I think you would do it. Right. Or of course you get a bye week after the Tuesday game because to play Tuesday and then again Sunday, not really fair. But Tuesday no. and then you play next Thursday. Or Tuesday that a buy, I think uh, could be a possibility there. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that makes sense. Uh, I've been saying for a really, really long time, if you're going to play the Thursday game, uh, the Thursday game should be coming off of somebody's bye week. Uh, so, I mean, there, like I said, there's a lot of different routes that they can go. Uh, like I said, I think they're going to split everything up. Uh, I definitely can see schedule changes and schedule adjustment adjustments in the near future. Uh, I think the way that we have currently in place for everything is kind of too archaic. Uh, I think a lot of the leagues, especially the NFL, I think you get really, really creative in being able to play more games during the week or try to reschedule games during the week. Uh, obviously, you don't want to see anybody, you know, get right. COVID or you want to you don't want to see any, any place close down. But I do think what this, you know, unprecedented uh, down point, uh, down period has has basically brought to light is that uh, we can kind of adjust things on the fly. Maybe we don't have to do things uh, the way that we, we've been doing them for the past, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. You know, there's there's some room to, to change and there's some room to uh, grow here. So, right. And, you know, what, you know, let's just say for argument's sake, TNT, you know, Turner could say to NFL, hey, we'll we want the AFC package, but we'll just take the four o'clock time slot. So NFL could technically split 
the AFC package until at one o'clock or four o'clock. So that could be a whole other thing there. And I think, you know, yes. everybody wants in, in the NFL. So, and you know, the NFL, I'm glad we didn't have it this year, but they love those 9 a.m. kickoffs in London. And that's going to be something where I think they're going to end up eventually at some point having a game in London 16 or 17 weeks a year. And I agree. And I that, think, that and I think there. that makes sense. You could see like, I don't know. You could see like Amazon bidding on the London game yep. or you could see like Amazon bidding on like, okay, we want, we want your best game of the week. We'll give you whatever we want for it. We don't care if it's at 10 a.m. We don't care if it's at 1 p.m. We don't care if it's at 4:15. We want your best game. We're going to brand it as the NFL's game of the week. We'll pay you whatever we want for it. And we're going to put it on Amazon prime. You know what I mean? That's what I think we, we, we could get really, really creative here. No doubt about it. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be something to watch. And when you when you all these networks have so much money and they're all gearing up. And you know, I think you could also uh, keep an eye on DAZN, who has a lot of money. And I'm sure uh, you know they're not really taking off in the U.S., but I'm sure that if if they can get NFL, and they, that's why they brought John Skipper in from from ESPN, that that's what they want to do. Uh, I think DAZN ultimately would probably want to get like the Sunday NFL ticket red zone package, but uh, they're another person to keep an eye on Joe that could be trying to get into the streaming game here with NFL. Yeah. The future of Sunday ticket is also very, very interesting too, because I know a lot of people who have it uh, are just continuously dissatisfied with it. So I think the NFL is obviously going to look for other bidders, uh, other potential uh, means of doing that. Maybe Apple bids for Sunday ticket, right? That's right. a possibility. I mean, every cable, so every cable provider so should there. want the Sunday ticket because it gives them such a huge leg up on their competition. Because if you're Spectrum, who I think has pretty bad service all around, uh, if they can get the Sunday ticket, well, then you know how many people are going to be canceling Direct TV to get Spectrum so they could actually watch the game. Yes. <laughs> so it, it's just tremendous there. But uh, and of course the NFL Red Zone. That's I don't know how much they pay you know these places play for that, but that's uh I think that's a lot of where a lot of people are watching games these days, like NFL Red Zone. Especially I mean, from the fantasy perspective. No, I agree. I think I mean we saw this with uh, I saw a bunch of joke tweets the other night on election night. A lot of people were saying we need the Scott Hansen red zone style of being able to watch the election where you have CNN on one you know, uh, MSNBC on the other, Fox News here, uh, ABC News there, CBS there. And like he's just going back and forth, <laughs> going between the different networks. Uh, but yeah, obviously, we, we live in a world now where every single one of us has OCD. We want to watch 10,000 things at once. We want our eyes scattered. We want eyes on every single fantasy player that we have on our team. Obviously, we want to see the results of every game. Uh, if you're a degenerate gambler and you bet on every game like me, <laughs> right? right? So. <laughs> So, I mean, that is also part of the future, right? How can we, how can you maximize what you have and how can we as a consumer figure out, okay, I have my laptop screen. I have my desktop uh, in my living room. I have a TV screen. I have another TV. You know, I, I have the capabilities of putting, you know, four or five screens in front of me. How can I get every single game on uh, every single Sunday? Uh, if, we're, if we're talking the NFL, right? Uh, how can I get on every single game on every single Sunday where I have everything right in front of me? What do I need to pay? Do I need... Uh, do I need Prime? Do I need Apple? Uh, do I need to pay for this cable package? Do I need to pay for this? Right? You know, different. A lot of mix and matches. A lot of different ways to do things. Right. Uh, but yeah, definitely going to be must watch. Yeah, and uh, you know, the NFL could go if they wanted to. They're they're on route of the 
uh, WWE Network style and make their own network and have some stuff up. Speaking for, of for, uh, for speaking of must watch, speaking of must watch, Miz and Mrs. <laughs> November twelfth in the USA. There you go. Uh, I got to be honest, I've I've enjoyed Raw the past couple of weeks. I think Raw's gotten better since the the draft. SmackDown has been very good still. Uh, it was like obviously like top top like right before the draft. It's still very good, even though it's kind of like lost a little bit of steam. It's still really good. Uh, but I definitely think Raw has gotten better the past couple of weeks. I think the main event scene is great. Uh, Retribution obviously is a huge disappointment, but and in, in the grand scheme of things, that's not really something too bad to worry about. Uh, obviously, they're putting together a, a terrific Survivor Series team. Uh, they're really, really using Miz better now. Now that he's kind of in the main event scene with like the Fiend, Randy Orton, and Drew McIntyre. Uh, he's got the the threat and the looming money in the bank briefcase cashing in, hanging over everybody. So that's good. Uh, yeah. So I, I Raw has been really, really good. Uh, I wouldn't say must watch again, but again, it was good this week. You know, like you like having good shows coming out of the draft. I think they've done a good job. Uh, and we got to talk about your guy Elias. Well, Elias is now number one with his uh, Universal Truth album on Spotify. So got to listen to it. It's outstanding. Kudos to Elias. Uh, hopefully that everything's all said and done. Elias could go on tour um, and have a concert. Uh, but listen, he's he's the only musician in history who was consistently, uh, you know, three or four times a week playing in front of ten to 18,000 people. Uh, so, yeah, when, when WWE's touring. So Elias, he's great. Uh, he's the future, I think, but he, he should really, like, win. I don't know why he's losing to Jeff Hardy. Uh, and The Miz, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Um, I'm hoping he cashes in at Survivor Series, but uh, I'm not really too sure the direction they're planning to go with, with The Miz at this point. That's why you got to sit, you got to watch, and you got to find out. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, if, he lose, if he drops Morrison, uh, maybe it should be good. I, I don't know. I mean, Morrison needs to see that Claymore kick coming from Drew and eat that because Miz was cashing in Orton, and he had it, he had the title one on Raw. So very disappointing start to Raw, uh, and that that's that's just that. But we're really looking forward to Miz and Misses coming up on USA Network, returning for another season. Uh, the Bellas. Total Bellas, my wife can't wait for that. They're back as well. So, yes, it's the it's the uh, the WWE programming is just all over the maps here. And you know, USA and E, they know how valuable anything with uh, WWE is. So, of course, they're trying to maximize their return on investments here, and they're really pushing pushing these two shows. And you might as well. I know I'll be tuned in for Miz and Misses. Always fun. Total Bellas, I don't really like, but hopefully Total Divas comes back at some point. Uh, love Miz, love Miz and Misses, and uh, like I said, I mentioned this previously, but my mom watches it, uh, and obviously she follows, she follows a bunch of stars on on Instagram, believe it or not. Uh, so yeah, uh, obviously that's gonna be great. Obviously the show is really fun. Uh, one of the better reality shows I think I've seen because I think Miz and Maurice, like I said, uh, they just seem like two genuine people. You know, when the cameras are on them, obviously. Uh, with the way the, the, the shows are, obviously you got to like script it up a little bit, but you know, for the most part, we see all these, these, like the WWE is so different because we're seeing most of what they do on screen is scripted. So instead of going, when they go into reality, instead of like going from, um, they're almost going from like fake to real. So in, when you watch like keeping up with the Kardashians or something like you could, you watch and you're like, Oh my God, this is so fake. Like this is so scripted. And it, Obviously, girls eat it up, 
But you know, for somebody like me or somebody like you, if we were to watch that, we would be like, "Ah, oh, this is so funny." Uh, blah, blah, blah. I, I watch. I'm. I do watch. watch I gotta tell you, Joe. I do watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians with oh, my of wife. Of course you do. And I also watch <laughs> The Real Housewives of New Jersey and New oh, York. Like you uh, like my mother. It's just. It's just. It's just some real good stuff, Joe. Uh, oh boy! Oh no! Just like my mother. Well, listen, Joe. I. I um. I was a huge fan of The Real World. And well, they yeah, created obviously. reality television, and the executive producer company, you know, the the Bunham and Murray, I think they're involved with the Kardashians. They they do the Miz, they do Miz and Mrs. So I'm just used to the style at this point. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but yeah, so my I, I, my point still stands. I think I think when you watch uh, Miz and Mrs. or you watch like Total Bellers or something. Uh, you, you, when you watch them on screen and then you watch them, they're doing like a reality show. It's not even like, it doesn't feel fake. It just feels like you're actually like watching their real lives. Uh, so it's different for us. It's more natural for us. I think, I think we watch it, you know, from the perspective of, that's why I like total divas. I mean, other than their dumb, like, uh, vacations, it was just like seeing what's going on backstage. Like it was right. cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it was really cool. Basically like an extension of something. And, uh, uh, obviously it, it feels like a WWE network show, you know, like they, they do all these, these really, really good documentaries and stuff. Uh, right. and I, even think the, like, I think the best documentary that WWE network ever did was they did this host series on like, was it called proven ground or something about the NXT? It was yes. like years ago. That was awesome. Behind the scenes, everything, all access. That's what you want. If you want to, if you're watching a sports reality show. Yeah. All the, uh, I, I can personally vouch cause I've watched them all, uh, all the WWE 24s, uh, yep, and all the good. extra like stuff that they do are really, really good. Like Drew McIntyre was great. Undertaker R-Truth was our Undertaker. Our truth was absolutely phenomenal. That's a must watch for any wrestling fan. His story is terrific. They just do a really, really good job with those. They really have figured out like their niche in doing that. No doubt about it. They do a great job with that. And you and I do a great job with this show. So this is going to do it for a huge episode 50 of the You Know I'm Right podcast exclusively on inthezone.io. For Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst, and thank you for listening to You Know I'm Right. Get running this fall at Dunkin' with $2 medium iced coffees from 2 to 6 p.m. Try any of Dunkin's delicious iced coffee, like their signature original blend. Or treat yourself to mocha, caramel, or the fall favorite, pumpkin. Always freshly brewed, made just the way you like it. Make time for happy hour and enjoy a $2 medium iced coffee from 2 to 6 p.m. Washington, D.C. runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.